everybody. Welcome to Oh So Curious. We are here this week. We're going to be talking about Blue Beetle, Strays, upcoming movies, DCU, MCU. We've got a lot to talk about. Dan, how are you feeling today? I am feeling sick. Um, my voice is a little messed up today, but uh, hopefully it won't give out before the show ends. So oh, I'm just yeah. Gonna, I'm going to soldier on through. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I think you don't sound that bad, I promise. Um, <laughs> we are dealing with some crazy weather here in LA, but Hurricane Hillary has been downgraded to a tropical storm and flash floods. So, you know, as a Floridian native, I feel I feel okay. It's, it's, it's you know, just off right off the shoulders. It's nothing are, Is it just like nice and sunny where you are? It's yeah, it is actually. It's it's sunny out. It's really nice and sunny. I I yeah. love this. I might just have to <laughs> go hop back on the East Coast. Um, so here in Oso Curious, just in case you didn't already know, we are actually all on all podcast platforms, including Amazon, Apple, and basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So if you don't have time to watch the show, just uh, pop us on in your car or like on your iPod when you're running or walking to the fridge. I don't know. Any any other time you don't have time to watch, you can listen. So make sure you to check us out. Yep. When you're at the gym, you know, when you're on a drive and you can't l watch the show, you can just listen to it. So, yeah. Honestly, I would listen to myself at the gym. I'm kidding. I would not do that. <laughs> like not <laughs> at all, not at all. Yeah. Um Okay, so today we're talking about Blue Beetle that hit theaters this weekend. It debuted pretty under the box office projections. It's sitting at $25 million this weekend. Dan, you went to go see it? I went to see it on Thursday, um, so like really, right when it came out. Yeah, you were one of the first. What was your theater looking like? It was it was like half full, like you know it, yeah. it was the ten thirty p.m. Eastern East East Coast time screenings. So it was like the last screening of the day. It was the only screening they had in Dolby, so that's why I chose it because otherwise they had IMAX and just the normal standard ones. So there was a it, it was kind of weird how things started, right? Like I actually tweeted about this while I was in the theater. So I, I get there, I get there like fifteen minutes after the movie start time, and AMC is like you know playing it's trailers like they usually do for the first 30 minutes. And then we get a Blue Beetle trailer. So I'm like, interesting. They're playing the movie trailer before the movie. And then a couple of trailers go by and then you get the AMC ad with Nicole Kidman. And then um, we get the pink Dolby logo, which you get before Barbie, like, cause it's in Dolby and it's Barbie. Um, and, and then Barbie starts playing. So yeah, the, the everybody in the theater had a really good time with that for a little bit. Like there were just somebody playing the wrong movie. But yeah, no and then you know way. a couple of people that got out. Yep, yep. They went and complained, and then you know uh, the movie sh shut off after like the first couple of minutes. So you know I got to watch Barbie for sort of my fourth time. That um, has and never happened to me. That is like a big mistake. <laughs> it's a big, I'm it's like, a huge mistake. How does that even yeah. happen? Well, you know, it's better than the last time I went to that Dolby screen because uh, a week before that I went to that Dolby, I forgot what movie it was for, but the movie wouldn't even play. It was like this error screen. And then they just said, oh, sorry, we're going to give you your money back. I think it was for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I had to go see it in a different format. Are but, you, you know, just at a smaller Theater? You have to drive a little bit to get to that AMC, don't you? No, well, no, my that my AMC you is only go a to AMC? I don't even know. 
it's it's 15 minutes away so it's not that far okay. i have an amc 15 minutes away and i also have a cinemark 15 minutes away mm-hmm. but the cinemark i tend not to go to as much because i prefer like the seating like that they have at amc yeah it's um, it's it's sublime everybody but okay yeah. i am so not gonna lie i took a friend to go see blue beetle with me amc we need to talk about the pricing because my amc pass cost 24.95 you want to know how much buying her ticket was 24.45 for one ticket yeah. one movie oh yeah they, they they rip you i mean i'm just like Make the value of <laughs> yeah it's it's great value for like what it is like yeah just... i'm like look i'm not gonna complain about the amc movie pass but y'all if you don't have amc movie pass and you have an amc near you if you go see one movie a month it's still the cheaper option so just, just buy it yeah buy especially it. if you're living in if you live in one of the bigger like um metro you know met- metropolitan areas like new york la miami dallas houston yeah. chicago like all of those mark the prices up on tickets so exactly. much i kind of miss being a student but they don't even offer student discounts at amc anymore like not i don't think so i'm like yeah Nope. Um, we are not sponsored by AMC. I would just love to throw that to you guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> not it, yet. it goes both ways. Like, you know, it goes both ways. Like I just talked about how they were playing the wrong movie and then the last time <laughs> yeah. it didn't even work. And then on the, I mean, on the other hand, the A-list is, is a pretty good program. So like Blue Beetle, right? Um, yeah. I really loved watching Blue Beetle because this is a movie I've been looking forward to. So I'm a little biased because I've been looking forward to this movie for months i've been talking about it on dcu daily for months and so you know the trailers were really good for me Um, i really liked some of the cheesy elements that they showed i love like the action bits and i was in not just surprised but also you know really just amazed to see that not only did they not put all the best stuff in the trailers but the moments that we didn't get in the trailers were some of the best moments in the entire movie Mm -hmm. um in terms of just some of the character bits like some of the conversations that george lopez character has with jolo mariona's character or like the bruno marquezine's character jenny cord has with jaime reyes like when they're at her old house and stuff and and overall i just love the world that they created for this movie because that's something which was, I, I, because there was a, a lot of controversy initially around, oh, uh, Blue Beetle in the comics is from El Paso, Texas. And in the movie, they created a fictional Palmyra city. But then as the movie goes on, you start to realize that they didn't just make that change for vanity. Like Palmyra city and, and the social and economic, you know, demographics and just how everything works in the city is a central part of the movie and the identity of you know Jaime Reyes and his yeah. family, which really was surprisingly good. They do reference it as being one of the keys, right? Like in Florida, which makes sense. I mean, that's like a predominantly Latin American area. Um, yeah. So it, I just honestly, I knew it was fictional, but it did seem like they tried to build it into like the Florida culture, which is like very extreme. We saw that major shift in Miami, like years ago where gentrification is just pushing out so many of the the people that made Miami what it is. Um, So I did really like those notes of truth and just there's such a massive gap in wages in bigger cities like Miami or in the Keys and they made that so obvious here and it was I mean it was just so real and grounded which I really appreciated. I did have So I want to preface this by saying that I did like the movie. 
My issue with the movie was that there were so many glaringly like wrong moments that I wish they would have taken and just given the movie an extra 20 minutes to sit and fix those issues. Because if they would have made one comment about Jenny Cord's accent, oh, she grew up in Brazil with her family, it would have made sense. Jenny Cord should not have such a strong accent if she grew up in in that family, in the Keys. Like, it didn't make sense. I was like, she's a great actor. There are certain actors, obviously, like Anna de Armas, that we really just overlook it. And it's really good in certain parts of the movie, but then in other parts of the movie, it is so strong, it doesn't make sense. Like, George Lopez and the father, they came over from Mexico, it makes sense, right? But they didn't take enough time to, like, explain these little moments that really added into the storyline. And I'm like, this movie could have used a bigger budget and this movie could have used more time. And I almost never say that because it just feels like certain moments that they, like, rushed through it. And I don't know why other than budget. I, well, budget might be part of it, but like I, for one, I don't usually get distracted by those kind of like things as much. So like, you know, the accents, I'm like, okay, I got the explanation. She probably can't do like an American accent as easily. So that's maybe like, that's why they explain it away. And like, then I would, that's my problem with it. No, I know. I, I see your point though. But like, for me, it wasn't as big of a concern because I was just engaged in the story. And, and I think the, the the biggest thing for me was like, despite like so many characters, there, there's a lot of characters in this movie. There's a lot of supporting characters, whether it's, you know, Jaime's family or Jenny Cord or, you know, Susan Sarandon's, what's her name of it? She's another Cord. Um, obviously, um, I forgot her first name, but Victoria. Um, Victoria Cord. Right. So like, you know, and then of course the bad guy who with the, which basically the third act in this, like the final fight seemed like a little bit like, a combination of Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2's bad guys kind of fighting. Yeah. It was, so it was a little bit of that. Like, you could definitely feel the similarities. But ultimately, I think, like, despite so much going on in this movie, so much world building going on, even, like, the moments when they were in basically the cord cave, I'm going to call it, like, not the bad cave, but when they go into, like, the... the, the I original remember that, Beatles. yeah, with that town. It's, like, um, Pago or something. It's, like, a Pagos. <laughs> like, a they own this island off the coast of nowhere. Right, right. It's just... So there was so much going on in this movie, but ultimately I still felt like the story of Jaime Reyes, like kind of, you could follow it all the way through and through that it was, it was, the movie was about him. It wasn't about all of these other things. All those other things were sort of like, you know, helping to not just ground his character, but also to flesh out this world. But see, I do, I, I do. I still like the character. Basically. Yeah, I was like, I disagree yeah. with you because there are parts of this movie that I was like, yes. And then there were parts of this movie that I was just like, and so <laughs> many people that I have been talking to about this movie were like, and even when I posted about going to see it, they're like, oh my God, I heard it was awful. And it's, it's those things that do make a big difference, especially like coming from an acting standpoint. Those are the movie. Those are like the little things that I pick up on that maybe not everybody else does, but all together it creates this universe. And like, there are too many holes that if they would have taken more time with the script, they would have just reshot that scene one more time so she didn't seem so like, it, like there just there was like one specific scene that I looked at like when the house burnt down and the dad has just died and the whole family is there and then all of a sudden Jenny Cord pops in the frame and I'm like, 
why wouldn't you show her there before? It like almost looks like she wasn't there. Like that was yeah. like, weird. Like but, some, it just didn't make overall sense. So if I they mean, like equal, I just want them to take more time with it. Like I'm, I'm mad that this movie didn't get more time. That's really all it is. Like more time, more budget, and more of like a second glance through of like, oh, this doesn't make sense. This is a whole. Let's fix that. That's all they needed. I can see that. I mean, you know, with a $104 million budget, which by the way, originally wasn't even that much because this movie was being made for HBO Max at the time. And then they said, oh, it's pretty good. Let's release it theatrically. So they added a little bit to the budget. And I don't think they spend a ton marketing this. So ultimately their spend on this movie is probably 150 million or less. But it's, it's still, it's a movie where I can tell you that there are some directing and some editing issues where I felt like the pacing, maybe they moved beyond some emotional moments a little too quickly. Maybe some of the action beats kind of felt a little rushed or like, so there was a little bit of unevenness to it for sure. I just, for me, the character work that they did around that stuff Mm -hmm. though, like kind of balanced it out well enough. Yeah. I mean, it's got a 76% critic score. It's certified fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. And it's got like a 92, I think, from the audiences. So it's doing doing really, really well. The people who are going to see it do like it right like for the most part but a lot of people are not going to see this movie so we need you to go see it everybody that's just it is a good movie and i'm excited for the future of blue beetle which it does sound like there will be a future to blue beetle you guys um but not to make everybody think that like i don't like the movie it's not that there were some really great movies i think jaime did a great job i think there were certain jokes George Lopez, you gotta love George Lopez. This is like his comeback. I love George Lopez as a kid. I think he's so funny. And I loved some of his moments as Rudy. I also like, I think Jenny Cord had great acting moments. Like when she was crying, all of that felt so real, so natural. And when the brother and the sister, these are all spoilers. Sorry, you guys, like just massive spoiler alerts. But there was, there's one moment when the sister and the dad are on, the ground I almost started crying because he's like it's all gonna be okay and no it's not gonna be okay and my heart broke into like a million pieces and I was I'm almost crying it was like so it was just one of those moments where you were like holy shit um excuse my language guys sorry uh so it was definitely one of those but Susan Sarandon's acting is some of the worst acting I've ever seen from her it was so bad it was very one note because I, I just, but I think like that's where they didn't really give her a lot to do. So I don't know if it's that so it's if it's so much on her as it is on the direction and what the script was. But yeah, there were definitely moments in this movie where I was like, like you said, the part where where the father passes away. I mean that that like it felt about as real as any superhero movie moment that you might remember and it, it felt like the probably the most emotional mo- it was the most emotional moment in the whole movie and then it really drives the action forward the rest of the way like and the, yeah. the how what motivates the characters um and and because of that one of the best parts of the movies that comes up later which is when the the grandmother the grand the Nana, like Nana, Nana Reyes, she was, she was, she was like her like revolutionary past. Like I was every moment, the rest of the way with her was some of my favorite parts of the entire yeah. movie. She's yeah. awesome. She's awesome. So that's just what I mean about this movie is, and I was so conflicted even watching the movie because it just like, I just 
there were so many parts that were so good. And there were so many parts of this that were so bad. And I, it, it almost felt like when I watched The Little Mermaid, because it was like so many parts of The Little Mermaid were so freaking good and so awesome and so like revolutionary. And I love the music and I love this. Holly Bailey was great. And then there are so many parts about this movie that I'm like, what the, what? Like y'all didn't do a retake? Y'all didn't watch that back once? Like it looks weird. Why wouldn't you reshoot that? Like it just, I don't know. It feels like something was missing here that I would need in order to like move forward with it. I would need more from the sequel. You know what I mean? Like I need. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that though, but like, but as a, as a first movie for the character and kind of establishing the world that they did and all the character beats and everything, I definitely think it's a solid foundation to build upon. And yeah. then certainly when you, when we get to like the, what was the post, the first post credit scene, kind of teases that Ted Cord is not quite dead. Yeah. Where he is, we don't know. Like, what did you think? Because it has two post-credit scenes. What did you think about the first one? So I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one. Um, the first one, I mean, I was excited. I'm excited to, like, sort of finish out that storyline. I wouldn't be surprised if Susan Sarandon's, uh, her character had a big part to do with why he went missing. I'm excited to, like, sort of learn about that. Um also, I think it's kind of cool and novel that they're like combining like the real blue, like blue beetle with he was technically considered the blue beetle, right? Like comics, Ted Cord is the original blue beetle. It's kind of like Ant Man, like the way it's yeah. done is where you have this, you know, the original character, and then of course Scott Lang's Ant Man is like the one who's taking on the mantle. So Jaime Reyes, although in this case the difference is in both Ant-Man versions, they're using kind of the same suit or the same tech. In this version, one of them is based on like, you know, the Scarab is actually creating the suit for Jaime, whereas for Ted, like he wasn't ever able to unlock the Scarab. So he kind of built his tech almost like Batman, except a little cheesier than, you know, what you, which which they do hint at in the movie. Batman's a fascist. um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Do you remember the, the old, like the elderly, superheroes in spongebob you know what I'm talking oh about? um mermaid man and barnacle boy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The, their tech and their costumes kind of mirror the blue beetle costumes it did it like did you're right kitschy they are um but yeah no i'm excited to see that i'm excited to like i think they're gonna come out with a second one that feels pretty secure james gunn has made comments trying to like help the marketing because he shuts down so much of the DCU that sort of there's this sort of like DCU fatigue of like where is it going? It's it, there's been a lot of confusion recently, especially yeah. with like the Wonder Roman remarks from Gal Gadot. I know James gonna said it on multiple occasions now, including like he posted on on his Instagram account that him and Peter Safran, the, the co-leads co- uh, uh, at DCU studio, well, not DCU, DC Studios, they're the co-CEOs. Um, they went to a screening of Blue Beetle and then he's posted a picture saying, that, you know, I'm so excited to see this movie and this character is going to be such a fantastic, I'm paraphrasing, but this character is going to be a fantastic part of the new DCU yeah. world moving forward. So clearly this is the second or third time that he has said that, which at this point, I don't know how else you could take it other than the fact that, hey, Blue Beetle will be in the DCU, whether regardless of how much of this movie's events count in the new DCU or not. But certainly when you look at the fact that they they teased the, the future for Ted Court at the end, and that scene was not cut out or replaced, because I remember when The Flash came out, 
they had redone the scene at the end of that movie where, you know, uh, George Clooney's Batman returns, apparently. Yeah. Um, originally, that was supposed to be uh, like, um, I think Michael Keaton and Sasha Kaye's characters as Batman and Supergirl were meant to be there. And they changed it out. And yeah. not only that, but they also, I think there was meant to be a Batman cameo in one of the recent, I think they they have taken out the Ben Affleck cameo in the new Aquaman yeah. movie. And, and they were at one point had a Michael Keaton cameo, they removed that. So clearly for all the stuff that James Gunn is doing to not promise anything that will not come to fruition in the 2023 slate of films, leaving the Ted Cord, can, like, you know, uh, Easter egg or whatever you want to call it, that open thread in this movie and the post credit scene, as well as how they kind of, it's a very open-ended movie. It's very much the beginning of hopefully something bigger. And then what he is saying on, on uh, you know, in his own social media accounts, I feel like Blue Beetle has more of a future than perhaps any of the other characters we have seen from DC this year. Like, yeah. we don't know if Ezra Miller is going to be the Flash anymore. We don't know if Shazam and Zachary Levi are going to be back or Black Adam is going to be in the new one. I think Black Adam is definitely not happening because The Rock said it himself. They're not yeah. moving forward with that character. But and, and that's hurt those movies because it feels like you're going to watch something that's more of a dead end. Whereas it feels like with, with, with Blue Beetle, there's been more of an effort to try to connect it with this new universe that James Gunn is putting together. Which is promising, but it's also good for marketing because it's like, yeah, it's exhausting watching superhero movie, movies back to back to back because there is sort of like this superhero fatigue going on, right? With all of the like the DCU and the MCU and it's like, okay, like, but we're ready to get invested again into new characters. I would say across the whole of the DCU, and the MCU. So it's exciting to see, you know, this sort of like coming to light and James Gunn making more, more promises in a way, because this man hasn't made any promises. Um, <laughs> well, I, I will say this though, the director of this movie, Angel Manuel Soto, he has said that they have planned this franchise out as a trilogy at least. And Joe Lomero Duena said at one point that he wants to be playing this character like for the next 12 years, kind of oh, like you know, Hugh Jackman and Wolverine kind of deal. Yeah, so so they've definitely got the intentions, but- He's young too. He, he's young. He was great. And he's so cute. Yeah. He's so cute. Yeah. Um, And he's, yeah. and honestly there, like Jenny Cord and his thing is, it's so cute and wholesome it, and it, awkward. It was like, the it, it felt very, it, it's the closest that I have it's felt very, like, to- to that Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker relationship yeah. in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Because it felt so realistic, like watching Andrew Garfield and um, Emma Stone in those films. Like, that's exactly what it, you know, how teenagers interact. It, when yeah. There's this unsaid thing between them. Because so, like, uh, uh, he's like, he's always trying to play it cool. And then with his sister, he's like, stop it. Like, so there was a lot of like good character moments around that whole situation. Yeah, I love that part of the movie. So ultimately, Blue Beetle, definitely go see it. Let us know what you guys think. It's definitely like a family favorite, family friendly favorite, yes. I would say. I mean, like, the movie's all about family. What's real is family. Like, yeah, really and yeah. I do love all of the family themes in it. So go see it. Let us know what you think. Remember to like, share, subscribe, comment, do all of the things here at Oh So Curious. Um, now we're going to be talking about Strays, which I did not go see because, again, if you were here for last week, I don't watch Animal Talking movies unless 
a child has forced me to. Um, and this is not a child-friendly animal talking movie. <laughs> what did you think about it, Dan? Okay, so in my out-of-theater <laughs> review, this is what I said. I was like, this movie has only enough story, only enough story that, that's needed to qualify it as a movie. And that's not to say that it's a bad movie because it has moments. It certainly has moments. Um, I think the critic score on this is like sitting somewhere in the 50s, the last I checked, which is probably well-deserved. I mean, honestly, it should be lower. Like if, if I'm being honest, like I've seen movies that are better than this that have lower scores. But ultimately, it's it's fun. Like it's fun in the sense that if you just want to turn your brain off and watch a bunch of dogs like who are, you know, trained dogs with digitally moving mouths that it's not an animated movie, but it's live action talking animals, which as a genre I thought was dead, but apparently not. It, the only difference there being is, of course, because this is a rated R movie, which mm -hmm. it's in the poster pretty clearly that don't come to this movie with your kids thinking this is one of those talking animals movies for families. It's not. And most of the people at my theater were, you know, clearly just adults who just wanted to have a fun time in the movie and they knew what they were walking into. There's definitely a few moments in there, like there's the term PFFs, which yeah, if you've seen the movie you'll relate to, that's something that you can walk away with. There's a, a particular moment at the end of this movie, the climax of the film, where they use Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball song in a very, it, it's it's very appropriate for the moment. Um, it certainly leaves Is the music video referenced or no? No. No, it's it's very it's much more literal than that. It's oh, you know remember, so the movie's like the central story, central story in the film is about one of the dogs got basically abandoned by his owner who kind of like drives way out of his way from his house and to leave this dog in the middle of nowhere and that's when he meets up with the other strays um and then so over the course of the movie like you know it's all about like trying to get revenge on this owner who mistreated him wildly abused him and all that stuff and them finding their way back to the owner and basically wrecking him in the process um so wrecking wrecking ball let's just say that um Throughout the movie, they, they keep saying that, that the dogs are going to bite his dick off. And so that literally does happen. At the oh, end of the no! Movie. Um, yes. There's, there's, there's a, there's, oh, this movie no. is a hard R in many ways. Um, a hard R? It's a, it's a hard R. It's very much rated R. Um, so there's definitely fun scenes, fun moments. Um, I ultimately think it's not really the kind of movie that... I would go out as like a date night film or I would just yes. go out and, and see it with a family. Like this is one of those movies. If you just want to hang out with your friends and, and you, you don't care about what you go to see and you've seen Barbie too many times or you're just not interested in anything else that's out there, it's then funny. by all means, go check it out. But other than that, I, I mean, this isn't a movie that's going to like make a lot of money. It's Oh, making no. Money. Okay. It barely hit 8.3 million this weekend. Yeah. The budget for this movie was pretty low too, though. 46 million in comparison to what we were talking about, like 106 million for Blue Beetle didn't even feel like enough. And The Flash was 200 million. So in a day and age where people are spending 100 plus million dollars on movies, this is a really low budget for a movie and the box office is coming through with that let's talk about the so imbd right now is 6.5 out of 10 rotten tomatoes 54 percent uh the audience score is let me see is it a little bit higher audience score is 74 percent. so i feel like it's mm -hmm. kind of giving yeah. um ted the talking bear 
Mark Wahlberg, Ted? Yeah, yeah. Even, but you know what? I, I will say Ted were those were movies were better because, and maybe that's just my bias because I just I thought like those Mark Wahlberg. Hilarious. So hilarious. I, with this movie though, the the, the thing that kind of got me the most was the credits because when you watch the credits and you look at the amount of A-list talent both in front of and behind the camera on this yeah. movie, like they've got some like Holly the the. the the biggest working directors in Hollywood and producers oh, wow. like on the it's it's almost few, so like Louis Leterrier who directed the new Fast X movie and he's done a bunch of other action movies mm-hmm. was one of the uh, executive producers Phil Lord and Christopher Miller like you know the Lego movie yeah. the amazing not the amazing Spider-Man but the the Spider-Verse movies like they're behind those movies they were like the producers on this um I forget the name of the director um but there's also like of course you've got like uh Jamie Foxx Will Ferrell like amongst like Will Forte Isla Fisher Randall Park Tanasha like so many people like the best way I could describe my reaction to that it was like it just feels like this is one of those movies where like all of these people said hey you want to do this fun project we all got to a little bit of money to spare. I'm sure some studio is going to release it with all our names on it. Let's just go have fun. And then they just had fun. It's it's literally like, it it doesn't feel like there was any more effort than that that was put in on the creative side. And they were just having fun with the movie. And then, you know, of course, the talent here that always gets ignored in these kind of, you know, live action talking animal movies are like the the people who train these animals um, and and spend so much time, you know, with them. And and these are, you know, a lot of these dogs, they're, they're in this movie, they're, they're professionals at what they do and like in LA like they're this is mo- this movie is mostly location wise well, really but... it was hmm? like it was mainly like all actual dogs and everything they didn't really oh yeah the, anytime you see humans it's it's very much in a supporting like sporadic role um other than the only human that got any sense of development is the owner that they ultimately get revenge at at the end all the other human characters are sort of just there for like one-liners here and there um there's, they show a few cats in this. There's this really, uh, it's actually kind of hilarious where one of the, it's in the trailers, like an eagle snatches up one of the dogs and how they get free of it. Um, so there's some there's some good slapstick humor. You could tell there's yeah. a few elements where the dogs are like falling down these tree branches in this worst case scenario way where I'm like, yeah, those are clearly animated dogs. But you know, it's- it's uh, They didn't um, actually throw the dogs down the tree. <laughs> right. I'm like, I would hope not. I yeah, no, no, no animals were hurt in the making of this movie, I'm sure. But it's it's a fun time at the movies. It's If you got a couple hours to spare- Would you, and you go just see it watch again? This, no. I would probably wait till it's out streaming. There's no way I'm gonna go. Spend would you tell my me to go see this in the movie theater? If if you want to go see it, see it at your own peril because I definitely think you could. If you're going to the movies and you're you know you're gonna whatever you do, whatever your rituals are for going to the movies, if you're gonna put in the time and effort to get out of your house, go to a movie theater, sit in it, and then especially if you're gonna spend some money on popcorn and soda or whatever else you get. Sure. Then there's other better movies to watch. This is the kind of movie that I would have probably seen on streaming, but I do appreciate them putting this out there because even if they make like 50 million on this, they probably make their budget back. So I get the, the sure, it yeah, makes yeah, financial yeah. I'm sense. like, so. I don't know if this movie is going to make any money, you guys, but <laughs> it should hopefully, we would hope break even. We'll see. All right. Well, if you guys do go see it, let us know what you think. Again, like, share, subscribe, comment. We want to see what you guys think about this movie, especially because you will be the defining factor on whether or not I ever watch this movie. You. 
the people watching are so curious because as of right now, Dan has not convinced me to go see this movie. Um, I'm trying to convince you otherwise, if anything. Yeah, literally, he's like, don't go see it. Just, <laughs> just don't. It's just not worth it. All right, next up, we're talking about the MCU. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of changes, a lot of stuff going on. So it's kind of, we're calling this segment, how would you fix the MCU? So Dan, how would you fix the MCU? I mean, there's so many things that can be done to fix the MCU. Some people would say there's nothing wrong with the MCU. Like, what's like, why fix something that's not broken? There's clearly would... something wrong with the MCU, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, to those people, like, you might be speaking to some people there, but like, in my opinion, I think the MCU very much needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It, it, it definitely feels like the MCU is past its prime. When I say the prime, I mean like, you know, I think phase two was probably the peak of its prime. Oh, when like yeah. they cannot miss, like from Guardians of the Galaxy to uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, even like the second Avengers Age of Ultron, I think that's a movie that gets better I mean, on rewatch. We're talking like the third Iron Man. Yes, phase two was like where yeah. it was. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Or even like, even if you extend to phase three with like Thor Ragnarok or, you know, Avengers Infinity War or the first Black Panther movie, those were movies that were like cultural defining movies that literally the world over was talking about. They were the kind of uh, cultural phenomenons that Barbie and Top Gun Maverick have been in recent years. And I just don't think the MCU has really hit those highs since Avengers Endgame. And there's reasons why, but like to talk about how we would fix it, I think there's, I, I think it comes down to three different things. A, this is something Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, has said himself on several occasions, that they have been putting out way too many projects a year, and that's diluted the brand of the MCU, is diluted the quality of storytelling that Marvel was known for. So I think ultimately, if they can pull back on the number of shows and the number of movies they're releasing every year, that's going to help out a lot because... Otherwise, what what ends up happening is you're not only just working with the very best of the best talent, both in front of and behind the camera, but now because you have twice as many things to do, people who you would have said, oh, they're good, but not quite good enough, now are good enough to be working on those projects with you. So I definitely think there's, there's that aspect of it. And then a lot of times, look, it's just, it's just a matter of the fact that Kevin Feige was the person who kind of made the magic happen in those first three phases. And he was working day and night, like seven days a week, trying to make sure all these projects were on track. Now there's simply too much going on for him to really be able to have that kind of oversight over yeah. everything. So I think that's part of the reason why the quality has gone down. So I definitely think well, if they can reduce also, the quality, and- quantity, the quality will go up. You and I have talked about that before, where it just feels like Marvel has forgotten, like, the heart of what made Marvel so great, which really is the quality of storytelling. And that's kind of what I was, like, referring to with Blue Beetle. Like, the quality of storytelling was not up to par, and it needs more. Marvel has sort of, like, moved backwards in the way that they produce things. They're producing too many things. They're just, overall, overarchingly, there's too much content and there's no way to make that much content all seamless. There's no way. There's no way. And also the more money they put into so many different parts, the less money that they can put into like smaller parts. And so overall it's affecting the whole of the MCU. So you, you and I have talked about that before. I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. I don't think a lot of people would disagree with you there. Um, But it's also a matter of, how do they pull back at this point? You wanted to talk about, we were talking earlier about how they have introduced all of these new characters into the MCU with some of the movies like 
Uh, God, I mean, there's so many movies at this point. Gee, the Marvel, yeah, well, was... Captain Marvel. Not Captain Marvel. Well, Captain Marvel was already around, but like Miss Marvel, yeah. She-Hulk. Exactly. Um, but there Moon haven't Knight. been any real sequels to these. Right. And so how do they move forward with like really sort of restructuring and narrowing it down and focusing on new characters? Because I think we all are ready to like invest in characters the way we invested in Iron Man and Captain America. I am like yearning for another Robert Downey Jr. superhero. Like, where is he? I need that connection again. Yeah, it's like, I think you have a good point there because early on the MC was about character-based storytelling. Yeah. Like, you know, when from the first Iron Man movie, the Captain America movies, the Thor movies, and then when they came together, and even the Incredible Hulk, like even when they came together and the Avengers, which, you know, like $1.5 billion, Jack changed Hollywood forever. The yeah. fact that they could do a crossover by doing all these other movies and then bringing the characters together. But the reason why that worked was because the characters were, you know, in their own movies where the audiences got to fall in love with those characters separately before they came together. Yeah. Now, when Avengers Endgame happens and a lot of these characters are no longer there, they said, oh, we're going to expand the universe. But like to them, it feels, it feels like when they said expand the universe, they're going to double the amount of characters but none of them are going to get quite the level of development that that the heroes before got. Like in the first three phases, you could say, okay, there's probably five or six central characters and, and then everything else sort of fits in around them. And then each set of characters gets their own like sequels. Like we yeah. got two Guardians movies before the, the, the Avengers Infinity War. We had three Thor movies. We had three Iron Man movies, three Captain America movies. Yeah. Recently, we have gotten Shang-Chi. But the sequel to Shang-Chi may not happen until after the next Avengers movie. I mean, or the next two Avengers movies. We got Moon Knight, but like that seemed... Who are the Avengers? Like, who are they who now? Who are the Avengers? Right. Literally, like, even like, Doctor Strange. Who are they? It just, I just, now like, the Scarlet Witch is like evil, so that's one of them. And then... And she may not be alive <laughs> Yeah, anymore. like who knows? Is she is she alive? Is she, I don't know. They, don't it was know. kind of ambiguous how she goes down. I was like, like I Captain know. America has passed his past his shield yeah. uh, iron man is d-e-a-d -E like where yep. are they i mean even so, Scarlett johansson the black widow she's dead they kind of and, well, and they have a new yeah you have like, yelena uh, as the new black widow like, eh. to me the problem right now with the mcu is they don't have really a lot of characters that you can kind of stand behind as yeah. those leads of the universe right like and that comes back to the idea that they haven't really been investing in these characters as much as you would like i think like with shang chi there's a character you can really turn into one of the central focuses yeah. but we really haven't seen the character more than just the one movie that he's been in yeah. and then the other problem you put you know mentioned was they don't really have any faces of the mcu anymore in the beginning we had iron man and then we had Steve Rogers and like so you have like these two characters who were sort of the focus of the entire MCU and in Civil War the, the two perspectives collide and yeah. then you know it kind of fractures the Avengers but then they kind of build on that in Infinity War and then in Endgame ultimately there's a payoff there's you know they kind of say okay well let's reconcile let's move forward and then both of the characters sort of go off on their own you know well Iron Man yeah. <laughs> is no longer with us and then steve rogers is sort of no longer with us um but like yeah. since then yeah, i they, feel like they sort of insinuate that he's like like yeah, do you think right? that black because i feel like black panther was going to be one of those characters oh that i think they the entirely banked on that and i mean yeah. obviously 
when he passed away, it was horrible yeah, and just yeah, so sad across the board. And Black Panther 2 obviously really had to mirror his passing, which was so yeah. like shocking to everyone. But I do think that they were banking on Chadwick Boseman being the face of Marvel. And then after that, they obviously you have to pay homage to like the situation. It was horrible. I think Chadwick Boseman had a, such a lengthy career in front of him that was, I mean, like heartbreakingly cut so short. And, you know, there are so many people in the industry that can speak to that. Like Denzel Washington made a comment about he, Chadwick Boseman was going to be the face of Hollywood. It didn't happen and it breaks everybody's heart. And they had to give that a second, right? But I feel like Marvel never really regrouped to figure it out after that. Like they did right. Black Panther 2 and they were like, well, the Avengers are done. Black well, Panther but, 2 is done. What do we do? But even outside of that, if you look at the other movies, I feel like, okay, so maybe Doctor Strange is a character that they're looking at as one of those leads. But but then, like, he's got one movie and we really don't know when the next Doctor but Strange project is I don't is even think be. that's fair because it's, as a character, they built Doctor Strange to be pretty independent on his independent. own. Right. Like, he wasn't even technically part of dude. the Avengers. He wasn't even part of the Avengers in, like, technically speaking in the... Last exactly he wasn't like he didn't so, even really want to be a part of the event yeah. in endgame like he was just there to like help rewrite history it's he doesn't feel like the good face like the, there needs to yeah, be it's... more than one person they rely on for the avengers and who will they be only i think there's one ray of hope here is you know sam vision? wilson's vision vision, vision. Vi no visions I miss no. Vision. um well, I don't know where Vision is. Like no, we got, we had White Vision. <laughs> then they said they were going to do a TV show with him based on the new version of Vision. But then since WandaVision, we have not seen the character, and there's no news of. I mean, I saw a rumor today that there's a new Thor in development already, Thor Five, and they haven't signed Taika Waititi yet. And a lot of people would say that's probably a good thing because of how silly the last Thor movie was. Yeah. Even though Ragnarok was probably the best Thor movie, I think like Love and Thunder went too far into the silly. I haven't seen it yet. It's if you watch it, you will see what I mean when I say like they went too far into the silly, and that kind of you know hurt the movie. Whereas Ragnarok, I think balanced it out really well. Mm -hmm. But I think moving forward, like they do need to. I'm, well, Sam Wilson's um, Captain America, I think, is probably you know with uh, what's his name? Is it Anthony? Well, I'm forgetting his name. Um, I'm so plays. bad with names, you guys. But I think his character is being set up to be one of the leaders of this new MCU world, with, like the way Brave New World. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah. So he's in, in Captain America Brave New World, where, of course, Harrison Ford's going to step into the role of Thunderbolt Ross. I feel like that's meant to be a movie that's going to establish the new hierarchy of heroes in the world of the MCU. Um, because right now it seems like there's a lot of pieces and they're just scattered and yeah. we don't know what's going to bring them together. Like one of the things that did in the first three phases was every other movie had some kind of infinity stone related story. Yeah. And then at the end they were like putting it all together. I'm like, Oh, it makes sense. This is not a coincidence. And like they had in universe explanations. And then like from the audience's perspective, everything kind of came together really well. Yeah right now there just isn't that coherence and like whether you watch ant-man quantumania uh, or whether you watch loki season one or even the upcoming season two it seems like whenever there's kang involved somewhere the hero the the, the villain the, he keeps getting defeated in those individual projects it's not really building up towards any kind of big grand finale the only reason we know there's a big grand finale coming up 
is because we're going to get Kang Dynasty as a next Avengers movie and then Secret Wars. So I just think we need to get a little more coherence into all of this. Like, And then, yeah, just going back to the first point that we made, look, they need to reduce the number of projects and focus on the quality. They also need to start investing more into the characters they've introduced already rather than constantly introducing new characters for a reason as, as as seemingly, I think it would be stupid if the only reason why they're doing this is because they need like hundreds of characters for the, the Secret War story that they're going to adapt into the new movie. They, they, you should have characters that people can focus on as the face of the franchise. Because if you don't have the face of the franchise, like in Harry Potter, Harry Potter is the face of the franchise. In Avengers, like we used to think Iron Man and Captain America. In DC, it's always Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. It's one of those characters or all of those characters. Also, they need that for the MCU now. Part of, yeah, no, 1000%, I agree with you. But also, I actually just looked up, because I remember Stan Lee passed away a few years ago. So he passed away in 2018. Do you think that that's a big part of the reason, too, why stuff kind of halted? Like, I don't know how much input he had to begin with in the movie. No, I don't think so. Like, because he, was, he wasn't really involved on the creative side at all. He was just, but they did film all, a lot of the cameos with him, obviously. Yeah. I, did, I don't think he had much of an input. He was more just the brand ambassador at this point. I okay. think, well, that makes like, more if sense anything, too. Kevin Feige is that person who yeah. is, I think, needs to have more of an input now than ever. And the quality, the quality is going down because the quantity is going up. Yeah. And there's only so many hours in a day, in a week, in a month that one person can devote to projects. Yeah, like so, yeah, I do think that's part of the issue. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, in a lot of ways they can fix the MCU. I think they're already working on it because Bob Iger said himself that we need to kind of cut down on the number of projects to improve the quality and put more time and effort into each project that we are working on. And, and it, you know, hopefully with, if Brave New World is a great new Captain America movie, that kind of helps clear up where things stand. When is that slated to come out? Of the, I think it's 2024. They recently pushed it back a little bit, so it's yeah. going to be on the back end of 2024. They were in production until the, the actress strike. Um, or I think they were mostly done. So I, I, know, I don't know how far along they are, or yeah. they still have... They may still do reshoots, you know, like that stuff. All MC movies do reshoots. But I'm hoping that by the this time next year, or certainly by the end of 2024, we yeah. get more clarity, because then we're only going to be a year or two away from the next Avengers movies. And if by the time we get to the next set of Avengers movies we don't have a lot of these questions answered and a lot of these problems addressed, then I think the MCU might really be in trouble because right now they're one or two good projects away from kind of being back to where they were. But if this keeps on going for another year or two, then I think that can cause a lot of long-term damage to the Marvel brand, which they have spent so many years building up to, you know, being probably the most, yeah. not just probably, it is the most successful oh, franchise. One, in the yeah, I mean, it still holds so. some of the title, like box office records, doesn't it? I was like, it's it's up there. Avengers Endgame was like one of the top grossing. Movies it's the second time. highest grossing of all time, though. Yeah. Uh, it was the highest for a little bit. Then Avatar got re released and yeah. got the record back. But it's still like if you look at the top ten highest grossing movies of all time, I think more than fifty percent of them are uh, Marvel, Marvel. Event movies. Yeah, including yeah. most of the Avengers films. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we got a lot to figure out. <laughs> speaking of um, cinematic universes, though, yeah. um, on the other side of of Hollywood, where we have the DCU at Warner Brothers. Let me ask you, has James Gunn's new DCU, the, the new DC universe, sort of hurt the 2023 DC films that are coming out, which are all meant to be a part of the old DCEU? So they don't really necessarily translate over to the new continuity. But James Gunn has already announced all the new projects that are going to be part of this new universe. Yeah. Do you think that has sort of 
put the kibosh on uh, the audience interest in the current movies? Oh, 100%. I mean, we were talking about it earlier when we were talking about Blue Beetle. This is the first movie that James Gunn has actually made an effort to say, like, we're keeping him around, so, like, go see the movie. It affects the marketing. It affects the conversation. It affects the morale amongst actors. It affects marketing rollouts it affects the amount of money that they put into marketing these movies because i can only imagine that they pulled back way back on the marketing budget for these movies when they were like james gunn's not gonna move forward with these so like we're just we're gonna take what we can and salvage the rest so the whole plan for dcu has been severely impacted by this then you have the back and forth with gal gadot we had the back and forth with henry cavill as new superman we've had remarks from ben affleck that they've james gunn's new dcu has actually approached him to direct some of the upcoming movies and he's like i will not be doing that i'm not doing that i don't see myself fitting into the new universe i don't have any interest in doing that and that's a really strong I mean, that's a really strong comment for someone like Ben Affleck. Like a rebuke of James Gunn's plans, which is, yeah, I think like to do that. And yeah, it, it definitely felt like Ben Affleck was like, thank you, but no thanks. Literally, thank you, but no thank you. And when that stuff comes out in the open, I'm always just kind of like, this isn't worth my time. This isn't worth my time. This isn't worth my time. Because it creates this sort of like superhero fatigue of, Am I even going to like this movie? Why am I investing into this movie? With that being said, though, I went to go see The Flash, and I really liked The Flash. And like, it was a fun movie, yeah. But now I'm kind of sad because we don't think he's moving forward as The Flash. So it's like, uh, I, it's a lot to invest yeah. consistently in the new superhero movie that comes out every month, it seems, if they have no future. Also, I've seen like 18 different iterations of batman in the last five years like i'm getting kind of tired of batman and the different iterations of him christopher nolan's batman's still my favorite like i said what i said you know what yeah. i mean so i i definitely think james gunn in a way has hurt dcu this year but that's not to say that what he's doing is not cleaning the slate entirely to make dcu the best the best it has ever been because obviously it's been struggling it was previously struggling that's why they brought james gunn in and now there's sort of a clear runway for him to like do whatever he needs to do but the actor strike has reduced the studio's ability to make money in the current movies and then with that being said the actor strike has also delayed filming for any of these like slated projects so I feel like James Gunn kind of got himself stuck in a corner for a little bit. You were getting all these casting announcements yeah. for Superman Legacy and then the strike hits. And of course, you can't negotiate new deals. You can't do anything with actors while they're on strike. So, and But he has been taking questions and like being active on social. Like he was asked recently, is the new Superman movie like a young Superman movie? Like in its early days, he was like, no, it's not a young Superman movie. It's just a... It's it's a Superman like in his maybe like he's in the present day basically. Yeah. So even though he's casting an actor than David Corn Sweat who is like a good ten years younger than Henry Cavill, the story isn't necessarily going to be like taking place in the past or anything like that. It's going to be Superman in the present day of this new DC continuity. But I do agree with you that um, there's definitely been that knock on effect where if you're going to announce all of these new projects and you're going to say 
there's like a clear dividing line between what's going to be canon and what's not going to be canon. It does make the current set of movies kind of feel like lame duck movies where you're just going to go and watch them, but they don't really have much of a future. Yeah. And then when you see the way they ended The Flash with that George Clooney cameo, it was so cheap. It was like, okay, I can not i can see where why it was so fun but i definitely cannot imagine them moving forward in the new continuity with george clooney being back as the batman of the of the franchise you know it's especially coming out of nowhere when michael keen had been invest- yeah um i mean michael keen had been invested in this longer like he was part of batgirl which got scrapped he was going to be he was in the flash so if there was any kind of hope and with ben affleck being more involved recently in the, this year's movies it felt like one of those two would be back not George Clooney. So when George Clooney comes back, you're like, okay. So this movie clearly like where it ends is sort of the end of this continuity as is. And with Blue Beetle, you can see now with James Gunn saying clearly on multiple occasions, whether it was on the Michael Rosenbaum podcast or recently when he um, was on Instagram and going to watch Blue Beetle, he was like excited to see this Blue Beetle character. He's going to play a big role in the new DCU story moving forward. You can tell that either it's, Either he means it, I mean, and, you know, I, I, I sure hope he does, that, you know, Blue Beetle is going to be in the new DCU, or he realizes that if he doesn't kind of drive that point home that these characters aren't going to just disappear overnight, then it, it is going to hurt these movies' chances in the box office because The yeah. Flash didn't even make $250 million, yeah. and Shazam didn't even make $150 million. And, and then Black Adam underperformed. Budget movies. So these are like huge money losers. These have been huge money losers. So now with Aquaman, the first Aquaman made a billion dollars. Will Aquaman 2 make anywhere close to that? We don't know. But one thing we have heard is that Jason Momoa may continue in the role. Of course, James Gunn keeps saying Blue Beetle will move forward. Okay. There was that post credit scene in Flash which kind of hinted that Aquaman also is going to be the same in every universe. So if they, if they are like this new DC universe, it's a new continuity in a new parallel universe to the old DCEU, then Jason Momoa is still playing the role. So I don't know exactly how the mechanics of that are going to work yeah. in the story world, but ultimately it feels like there is still some like lack of clarity, like you said, with Wonder Woman and like whether she's going to be back. Is Gal Gadot going to continue in the role or not? I just hope that they can get their ducks in a row enough to not only give the current set of movies enough of a runway to succeed, but also they let's let's try to avoid attaching baggage to the future DCU yeah. projects, which basically I think is a big reason why a lot of the recent DC movies have been failing is because whether it was the Ezra Miller situation, whether it was the pandemic that killed the box office Wonder Woman in 1984 or the Suicide Squad, it seems like every time a DC movie comes out, there's some kind of asterisk that has to go next to the, the, the movie and that's the reason why it didn't work i'm just tired of like i just want to get another batman like the batman was a movie that didn't have any baggage and yeah. that movie made like over 700 million dollars granted it's not part of the dc content the larger you know, dc continuity i still think that if they can come out with more movies that don't have that baggage then that's going to help them out and, and yeah. i think the blue beetle is kind of that but even then the actor strike and everything else that's going on around it I feel like Blue Beetle even wouldn't qualify as like a completely like baggage free movie because and, and struggling at the box office too. So I mean I'm hoping that the new DCU does kind of wipe the slate clean, like you said, and then and starts us on a new path, hopefully, where every new DC movie is as successful as every Marvel movie can expect it to be. Yeah. Yeah, well we will we will see what happens. Um looking ahead to next week, we were originally supposed to see another movie to talk about it with you guys, but uh guys, but it, it got moved. 
Um, yeah, Whitebird got moved. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of movies that are getting postponed due to the strike, due to marketing, due to this, due to that. So it got moved. We are going to be watching Liam Neeson's Retribution. Retro- I can speak. Retribution. Um, I love mm-hmm. me a Liam Neeson movie, so I'm super excited for this. Um, you said that it was actually based off of a Spanish movie? Is that what you said? Yeah, it's based on a, um, which is it's hard to pronounce. I was looking this up earlier. It's based on a movie from 2015, a Spanish film, as you said, called El Desconocido. El, El Desconocido, which I don't know what that stands for. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a tell us. Just like yeah, comment, tell us in the what comments. does that mean? <laughs> so it's, it's from the same producers who made The Commuter and Nonstop, which cool. Nonstop is one, one of those movies that I actually kind of enjoyed with Liam Neeson. It's like he's he plays a U.S. Marshal on a plane that gets hijacked or something to that effect. I feel like which, it's yeah. And I recently watched that show Hijack on Apple TV Plus with Idris Elba. Like, I'm a, I love any of those kind of like shows. Like, our 24 was fun to watch. Sort of like nail-biting day. thrillers. You're like, oh, nail-biting. Yeah. yeah. And like this movie, if you look at the, the synopsis, it basically feels like speed because yeah. he's playing a banker who's in a car and then somebody calls him and says, hey, if you stop that car, there's a bomb that's going to go off. And so you just got to keep driving and, 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 and the story kind of goes from there, which very much feels like the original speed movie except it's not a bus it's a car i'm sure there's differences i've seen the trailer for this a few times before some of the other movies i've seen recently and it feels like a lot of other recent liam neeson movies it's like liam neeson himself is a genre these days so like yeah he is a a genre and i'm here for the genre (laughs) i mean one of those actors that you kind of always expect what you're going to get to a certain point but i love him so much i will go see them he had me at Taken. It, it's I will go see his movies over and over and over again. So I'm excited to watch that. Um, it comes out this. Uh, it comes out this week, this Thursday. I'm assuming it's premiering. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're gonna be reviewing that next week. Uh, if you guys go see it, remember to like, share, subscribe. Let us know how you feel about it, and then we will be doing a full rundown next week uh, here on Oh So Curious. I yep. think that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. Yep.